0: Hello. Welcome, friends. It's Cindy Silva here on Metaphysical Wisdom with uh, my friend, Sahu. Hi, Sahu.
1: Hi, Cindy.
0: Welcome. So happy to have you. Sahu is Zooming in from the UK, and I'm in California. i really just grateful for having found you on YouTube. I've been doing some of your Qigong practices and uh, Wanted to bring you on and share just your light and your wisdom. And we have a lot in common, particularly uh, both interested in wisdom and alchemy, and Qigong, metaphysics. I'm just really curious to see what the space will uh, reveal in this exchange between us today. I'd love to just have you start by sharing a little bit about what you shared with me about going to school for. Um, Oh, what would you osteopath. What you were going to become an osteopath. And then they told you to go find an internal arts to study and you chose Qigong. So let's start with that. I'd love to hear your journey.
1: Yeah, so that was in my um, first year at the London School of Osteopaths where we were doing functional anatomy. And the teacher said that you should actually do, um, go and try some acupuncture, something that can, um, try to connect with this energetics because you know with osteopathy it's very energetic even though it's become more manual more um more medical as time has gone on because of the changes in the 1900s that happened to dr Steele. so um she suggested that and she also said do some qigong find the internal art find something that you can practice so you can balance the energy that you're going to be receiving from the patients that you're going to be practicing with and that was a really important thing for that particular teacher and that was from her own experience that you need to balance these two things so I was so fortunate to come in contact with a teacher that had a mentality similar to my own yeah so um but before that I was already meditating I was already doing um, internal works. I had, I had a teacher from quite young that was guiding me along that path already. From the age of 16, I had somebody who was, well, let's say for us in the UK, we we finished school 15, 16 years old, and we go going to college. During that space, they were in the summer holidays. So for me, myself, during that summer holidays, I met a teacher and then from there he guided me until I went to university.
0: Mm.
1: That's my early, um, so and the funny thing is we can go back deep earlier than that,
0: sure. it seemed
1: like we can go a bit earlier than that to when I in my childhood yeah. where, where we've been trying to understand <laughs> the occult and I'm just talking about uh, the stars. I was always fascinated. The funny thing with Tai Chi, because you know it's always connected to the Seven Stars.
0: Yeah.
1: You can go to into later on, but from young, I've been fascinated with the stars. My grandmother had a book that every time i go to my grandma's house, I would go to that book and just look through it, look through the pictures. And then she had a um, a, a book on astrology, star signs, and I'm about five six. Every time I go to my grandma's house, that's the only book I'll be reading was a star side of astrology. i just try to uh, connect with it. So we have um, been journeying from, from the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Come like We came into this reality aware that it's like a dream state, mm-hmm. an illusion or a Maya. You have to understand how to navigate through the light.
0: <laughs> mm yeah and it feels like the way the let's just call them the heavenly bodies or the stars or the planets are aligning now is bringing more and more conscious awareness to the collective about the internal arts Mm -hmm. and and these internal arts are ancient and been practiced throughout history and you have a very uh intimate understanding of the root system of these traditions and um I wonder if you're tracking the same thing I am in your awareness of how um, are you seeing more people attracted to your school and your classes and the wisdom that's behind the internal arts like it didn't. They're not just interested in coming and doing the physical movements they really want to understand the philosophy and the source and in that. Um, quest, they're realizing their connection to the totality. And then something happens when that connection is reestablished. That um the work of um that gets done in Qigong seems to um have a, have its way with us when when that connection is reestablished. It's like we don't have to work as hard at it. Because it's working, you know, it's moving towards us as much as we're moving towards it. So I wonder what you'd like to share in terms of that thread.
1: Yeah, I have noticed there is a, a, a desire for a deeper understanding. Um, I've definitely seen more students. And with Tai Chi, it's funny because Tai Chi isn't that straightforward. People come and do Tai Chi, they feel the benefits from Tai Chi really quick from qigong really quick and as a result they plateau and they don't have there's a, there's a a high rate of dropout as a result of this so this is all within um three to six months this takes place where a person at four months other commitments may take over because they're not feeling that they're developing the way in which they desire to benefit or with the way they think they should be developing i should say So Tai Chi has a high dropout, I've I've observed over the years. But most recently, I've seen more people stay past that period of time and then investigating what you're talking about, trying to understand something a little bit deeper, like they're seeking something a little deeper than just the physical adrenaline, which they didn't find. So then as a result, they just went somewhere else excuse or the injury happened doing something else and then through their rehabilitation process they just never got back onto that path that they were on they woke up and took a different journey a different pathway and that happens to so many people but yes so i found myself as a result um, teaching more the free treasures deeper going deeper into the jingong a little bit more teaching that part of the alchemy I found that we go to the heights. We go up to the... Because um, we are naturally connected. And when we desire to connect, like a student asked me the other day, and this is like what you're saying, these questions are coming up much more. Because there was only one or two, and those would be the older students, but more the, the more younger students. I don't know what he would say to this answer that I gave him. But he asked me about the third eye he was saying to me, oh, um, I've read I've read so much about it. I've seen so many different videos on the third eye about it not being activated, it being activated, how to activate it, what to do to activate it. I just it's just so much information, I'm confused. Like like so, so my answer to him is that understanding how the body functions, this 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 third eye, it's all about degrees. This third eye or first eye has to be activated to be in reality. <laughs> it's just a funny old figure. But what we're talking about is what level of activation or to what degree or yeah. how much is it open? Yeah. You know, could we talk about it being shut. We think that it's deactivated, it's calcified. So therefore, there's no activity going on there. And it's just, that's just, that's just not the case from as far as I'm aware and concerned personally. <laughs> right. <laughs> like all these, all these, organs and glands are radiating and vibrating through whatever electromagnetic waves passing through or electrons directly circulating in the space there however the thing work but there is activity going on there but how much can you pull 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 or how can much how, how can you resonate how much yeah. can you resonate in that space it's a different thing
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love what you're saying. It's so true because um, people will talk about being disconnected from nature. And my reality is there's, it's impossible to be disconnected from nature because we are nature, but we can, uh, (laughs) we cannot feel that that connection because we're relating to what we're not more than we're relating to nature. So it feels like there's a disconnection. If there was a disconnection, we wouldn't be alive. So I love what you're saying here is the third eye is open. It's just to what degree we are connected to mm-hmm. nature because we are nature, but to what degree? And to what degree That's depends right. on how much attention we bring to it, right? Which so is what,
1: the attention.
0: Yeah. So we learn to focus our attention and our awareness in our practice on the present moment, on that feeling of connection and more or less what we're doing is um and in a lot of the practices I've been doing with you online is um eliminating what's in the way of that connection so it's not really about becoming what we already are it's about removing what we're not that is in the way of that connection is my sense of it
1: yeah it's like this it's this um I always see it Reading a bit of the the um the alchemical texts, mm. the, the the neidan the Jingong Gong texts. These texts are are not that straightforward. The, the the language is not very um it's elusive. But if there's one thing that's clear, then if you don't understand all the other stuff, let's say you call that um the, the um the lingo, <laughs> the jargon. Is that there's always a representation of this innocence or this child bringing something to a child state or bringing something to this whatever, whatever organ especially when they're talking about organs there's always a child in a robe or an innocent child holding something or a child doing some kind of work or something or a child turning a wheel you know or a child carrying a bucket it's just amazing when you start reading through the text If you don't understand what's going on, (laughs) there's just similar scenes that keep on popping up. So um, when I I close and look inside, I see the same thing. And the other day I was thinking to myself, that's a bit interesting. Because if all these organs are like individual identities and all these children that you're bringing back to their state and you're trying to connect to all them, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. There is a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a, lot of um, a lot of children. Takes a lot,
0: <laughs> right?
1: Like... A lot. I don't. So I thought to myself that we making these children into one, into the into one child, you know, or one voice, one tone, one hum, or are they all having their own separate conversation? Mm-hmm. This is this is what we understand as um, the term Tai Chi. You know, this um trying to balance the yin and the yang. Yeah. And balance the so it's just one circle, is it? In the Mm-mm. This is because you know when I just I see that in my mind. Then we go back to Wu um, Chi, and in class a lot of the time. You know, when you you made reference to um, being present in the moment, being present in the moment, yeah. We start class always like this, being present in the moment with no judgment, connecting back to this um, state of primordial beginning, stillness, trying to be in between the space of the tick and the tuck, the silence, i heard a question the other day you know as as we say just a moment ago as well how we um people focus on the negative things or the, the those things there but let's say we focused on the silence like what would if we was to manifest within the silence like what would that manifest for us like what would we get in the return of silence hmm. What do you think of that stuff there Cindy do you get some questions these days <laughs>
0: <laughs> it reminds me of one of my teachers you probably know Robert Peng who talks about yes. listening from a sound coming from far away and I I love that because it makes you expand and you know the nature of the universe is expansion it's always expanding you know, that's yeah. what the universe does is expand and it's—and ex- we are the universe expanding. And yet we're in these forms that are physical that don't expand, but yet we are expanding through them. Yeah. So mm. I like that idea of listening to a sound coming from far away because it's kind of like you have to expand in the direction of the sound. And that and you have to get quiet inside right the silence to hear the the sound coming from far away but you know in reality it really can't be coming from far away because it's all here now but it's just mm-hmm. the way that we have to do use language because language separates to trick ourselves into presence and, and non-binary. Mm-hmm. That's just a playful spin True. of what you asked.
1: It almost sounds uh, opposite to the thread that I was always was drummed into my ears. Listen to the space between the tick and the tock, mm-hmm. like the no space, the silence. You know, like when listening to music. You know, when talking. I'm doing it now on purpose. Mm-hmm. Silence between the space, like without that silence, even the uh melody, the melody wouldn't be the same. Imagine playing music and taking out the music and just play the silence. I don't even know how that's possible. Like imagine doing that one day. <laughs> I know that's someone true. who
0: tried. I do know someone who tried. You'll have to listen <laughs> to my conversation with Jason Campbell. He's also a qigong teacher, and he's a pianist and uh composer and so he composed and um, scored the I Ching um, in piano and he was all about listening to the silence between the notes because that's what's always present and when you score notes it is it's it's, called, it's sort of like the parentheses on either side of silence and we always want to look at what's inside the parentheses right mm-hmm so that's always underneath everything is that silence. And if we can be aware of that, like when we're doing our practice of Qigong and, and being a witness to um, the practice getting done through us rather than being the, the one doing the practice, rather than being the mover, you know practice watching being moved and be the awareness that's experiencing itself through the movement.
1: That's my sense of where you're headed with this idea. That that is a um, a question that I would ask students at the beginning of the class as well. Well, let's say, could I observe it in myself? We say center, and we center, and then I just feel that feeling that you just going you were describing there. And you know, sometimes you can take it for granted. So you ask, you send that question out to the class, and ask them in that moment of centering how long does it feel for you to feel calmer a bit more stiller a bit more silent listening to yourself a little bit more the outside sounds is turning a little bit more quieter and some people say it don't happen some say it is well, the the more advanced students is always like yeah within the first moment of doing it or the first um the idea the concept the idea of doing it puts them into the state So the action is just a completion of the movement, but they're already in the state of the concept has already been initiated. It's just a a beautiful thing.
0: Well, and that's where the question came from too, right? The question came from that place, that center. So that's often like, um, well, one of the reasons you're here with me today having this conversation is because I recognize that in you, in the practices I'm doing with you on your YouTube channel, Um, There's a calmness. There's a centeredness. There's a presence. There's an innocence. There's a playfulness. There's a seriousness. You know, it's all there. It's all, you know, like, I recognize that in me, that's in you. And I wanted to exchange ideas, you know, in this space for the benefit of all. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, too, that um, or I feel or I don't know, I sense that when we have a question, it's because the answer is in the field and it's trying to get our attention. And so the question drops in so that we'll turn our attention towards that answer that's right there wanting to be known. Mm -hmm. So when you ask the question, where's your center? Well, your center is right here right now all the time, but it's wanting to be known And it's when we ask the question, we turn our attention towards it. And right. then we have the
1: answer. Instantly, It's like, yeah. it's always been waiting for us. It's just been waiting for us to just turn our attention. And it's almost like covering a light reality. It's almost like turning the torch, the attention or light onto a different in different areas of our consciousness. As we practice and go deeper, it seems like the torchlight just gets wider. And we just lit up more spaces. We go through reality. And then we just uh, be centered. Experiencing different realities because we're interacting with people. And then pondering upon other people's reality. And that's, just, that's that's why I, when I was younger, I, I studied a lot of Zen Buddhism. And there's one sentence that always stuck with me but to say that you can reach a level of true realization um satori this can't be done by going to a mountain and staring at a wall away from the people then you have to mix with the people you have to walk amongst them in order for you to elevate through those different those things have to be tested your stillness yeah has to be tested in chaos to be refined there's no other way <laughs> it's like, it's, that's just a scapegoat then you're just trying to get away from the, the situation <laughs> try be still it was all right when i was living out in the country let's say try be still in the city because i live right next to a hospital um quite close to a main road there it's like a rose trying to grow out of a crack in the concrete yeah we get weeds growing well a rose this is what it's like the pollution is quite intense so to to cultivate one being in, in that state to be aware of geometry because the whole thing is is mind manifestation as you went delusion itself is all mental game So we are um, constantly recreating reality but when you're in nature it's all right though you see the blue sky, the tr- the trees, the grass, the fresh air. You don't have to think about that stuff. There, you don't have to work. You don't have to refine yourself. You don't have to. It's, it's just you do, but it's a different work you have to do. Is to refine in chaos is to be. That's why I'm born here. It's like it's it's really um. But there's gonna come a day we have to step forward personally for myself go forward because we've lived a, a lot a long time in chaos we've been mm-hmm. supported chaos <laughs> for a little while you know about um you know about melanin and carbon you know about dark matter and the multiverse and all this stuff here yeah this is this is the chaos yeah this is the chaos yeah and it's, it's not part,
0: part of creation right and I think, I I mean, I've been experiencing this myself, like when we're moving from one level of stability and uh, the universe is expanding through us and wanting us to um, reach another level of stability, we have to go through this chaotic ring past not energy where, um, you know, I'm someone who's pretty accustomed to flow Yeah. And I like when things flow and when they don't, I get agitated (laughs) and that's that chaos for me, but I can recognize it as a transition from one stable state to another stable state at a different vibration. So you're, you know, you're pointing this out is really helpful because I can see how it can pull you off your center. Although you can't ever really be off your center, your perception can be pulled away and so these challenges that come up are what you're helping me see is um that every time I have a challenge it's an irritation or an agitation I can I can drop that question where's your center and see that what the agitation and the challenge is is um the universe helping me find my center
1: that's right Without these these experiences, this reality wouldn't really be too enjoyable. I know that we des- think we desire constant bliss, but constant bliss would be boring. <laughs> it's a journey itself, which is truly um, enlightening. Mm-hmm. It's the striving, I suppose, for that, which is the um, is the enjoyable part, and once you, re- you receive it it can get a bit um, mundane during that process as he was describing that there is all the darkness though that is in that transitional stage from that stage you referred to a bit of clarity a bit of turbulence back to clarity again turbulence is always a that's that's the dark period, um spot in yeah, our dream the yin,
0: the yin energy of the unknown
1: yeah and it reflects in our in our psychic experience as well, in our dreams, in our visions. Sure. People who dream may not dream as much. In that period there, when they're actually either stabilizing the energy of transformation or they're going through it, each person is different. There's a darkness that they may see, so they may not have dreams for a day or two days or for a period, then go back into dreaming. People who don't dream, the they say they don't dream. Obviously, they, they dream they don't recall their dreams I should say yeah then they just see darkness they, they may have a spark that take place through that period of time again as we said earlier that's just that's just clearing up the debris meditating on that space there and from from experience and observing and asking many questions meditation closing the eyes and breathing deeply sets us into um alpha state and that can be achieved within a few weeks of practice by a normal person any 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 lay person in the world here within a few weeks and that alpha state because it it sets up before we go into our theta state years of practice into gamma state, but let's just go back into our alpha state it sets up, from what I've experienced, like a light. You start seeing more light within your um, the darkness, within that phase of training. So then the more you practice trying to enter into an alpha state, the more you see the light, the more you see the light, then the more it seems like your, your first eye is expanding and connecting. So I think all these things are, um, are connected on our our journey because you know sometimes when i'm describing these things because they're all connected i feel like i'm bouncing (laughs) i'm bouncing one big ball just connected everything i'll be so random sometimes when i'm describing stuff because everything is so one i will describe something totally unrelated and connected to the thing that i'm talking about just because there's there's a connection even though they're totally unrelated but i think this is the um the Tai Chi Yin and Yang, trying to balance. Yeah, trying to balance the two to be in the two. The two Yin and the one Yang. That's how, that's how it come. I know we talk about Yin and Yang, but yin, Yang is outnumbered. Yang's outnumbered here. Mm-hmm. It, it comes like male and female. It's like um, yeah, we got this this pure is pure or the, the the let's say the um how we call it the wu the woo Chi mm-hmm. before we go into tai chi so that is the pureness of the yin itself it's mm-hmm. almost like that state we are um reconnecting with because we've come out of this duality because it, it's reality is duality you go back into your pineal gland it's a singularity right singularity then we enter into the, the pituitary gland, and then we go into a duality. When we do our traveling, we're in our pineal gland, and we're traveling. So we don't do astral traveling; we do um, astral no um, pineal reinsertion. We're going into internally, but the um, the perception of this light reality when it comes out, it splits at like the pineal that's then two lobes the yin and the yang the masculine the feminine the positive the negative but it's this pineal gland this 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 pineal this, this singularity this one only gland in the body the only um thing in the body that is just one Well, I found that one I'm like you can't be serious I'm sure there are other things in the body that is just one or it's not divided it's not split or you know but it's the only thing in the body I've studied enough anatomy. I was fortunate enough, while I was studying at the London School of Osteopaths, to go to the London, the Royal College of Surgeons, mm. to go and study them. So I'll go to their library. They have loads of brain dissections up in their library. So you go to different tables and you see different parts dissected cadavers. So you can go to the pituitary gland area and look through, get a get a read up on that. And they had loads of this through their library. The library was quite big. And because I was at the London School of Osteopaths, you had access to go to there, but also to other places, like to the hospital, to actually do dissections, actually cut the body up and actually understand the different layers. This is one of the reasons why I understand fascia, Mm. connective tissue and appreciate. I know we're going to jump now, but (laughs) a lot of people always ask about uh, muscle and tendons and fascia.
0: Yeah, fascia
1: is such a big topic right now. It's huge. It's huge. It's it's, it's it's a wonderful thing that it's just becoming we're becoming more aware of this network.
0: Yeah,
1: it is the network, and there's another one, endocannabinoid system. We are starting to appreciate this one so much more. Those two systems, with qigong and tai chi, I think are the um, are the, the system that we're 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 piggybacking off of.
0: Uh-huh. So the the fascia and what other system did you say?
1: So biotensegrity.
0: Oh the tensegrity, yeah.
1: Bio so biotensegrity is the fascia, the connective tissue, all that stuff there. Then we have on the other side the endocannabinoid system, which they call canonametrics, when you're applying it in a sense of activity. Canonometrics, so that is um C B D oil. Huh. This is what the endocannabinoid system is connected to. So this system is within every um nerve ending, every synapse. This is a, they have rece- there's receptors through the whole body, through the whole part, the whole of the brain. I was gonna say millions. I'm just like, when I start reflecting upon certain things, I just get so excited. <laughs> right, the whole body. <laughs> you got these receptors. That, all your receptors um, are lighting up <laughs> yeah and do you know you have heard of this endocannabinoid system I'm not sure endocannabinoid the then, the term that they give it yeah yeah the term of the neurotransmitter I know
0: yeah, neurotransmitter. that
1: is released from the endocannabinoid system is mm. called anandamide
0: oh I know about anandamide. yeah
1: you heard of anandamide
0: bliss hormone right yeah man so anandamide is coming I mean, say that again the bliss hormone anandamine is a,
1: a yeah
0: yeah related
1: to bliss like the. well okay let's just retranslate that one there a little bit let's retranslate that one a little so the uh, anandamide is actually a neurotransmitter, transmitter anandamide so it's secreted from brain tissue and this goes along the nervous system, goes to along the nerve, interacts with the synapse and does a kind of feedback loop, like a, um what they call it, a negative feedback loop. So if you have pain along that 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 nerve, let's say when the anandamide flows along it, it causes it to go back the pain and the anandamide continues along the pathway. So it's it's like a um it's what gives us bliss, mm-hmm. what makes us feel really good at one calm you know that wonderful feeling that flows through us as soon as we start doing Tai Chi and practicing. Mm-hmm. practice it the first few moments we're feeling really good that's the endocannabinoid system you mm-hmm. know for longer I was really trying to get my brain around what is it because I've studied all these different systems in the body yeah, and I know it can't just be homeostasis. it can't be just a connection of all these systems making us feel good and just the brain waves making us feel good can't just be feet to waves that's reducing blood pressure right. and heart rate Just making us feel good it had to be something else <laughs> you know it's
0: all chemistry i mean in my, chemistry. you know we what, what we're doing with our practice is um like it's a, a laboratory, right? Our our body is a laboratory and our brain is producing chemistry. And if we learn how to create the right conditions and the right environment with the right community and the right practices and the right perspective, we can produce a, a very refined elixir in our body that produces these states of bliss. And, and it really blends well with the expansion of the universe through us and when those two come together it's like we're going for a ride like this really enjoyable ride like in a very luxurious vehicle that just basically kind of floats along the surface you know without any traffic that's my experience so i love that you're bringing up chemistry because um you know chemistry can make us suffer right or yes. it can make us feel what you're describing blissful that's right and, and that's all have, perception. yeah and it has a lot to do with perception but it also yeah, it has to do with um what you and i have done which is study and research and understand what some of these traditions have been trying to you know why they've um, passed it on from generation to generation is to um make this medicine that's in side of us available and help us learn how to turn it on so that we can access these states of um receiving intelligence that's always available but often corrupted by our transmitters not being able to receive them properly
1: that's right out of resonance
0: yeah
1: and maybe going through a bit of cognitive dissonance
0: that's
1: right even though ultimately it's probably a good thing because then you end up getting some clarity at the end of it but there is a lot of turbulence when you're going through our transformations
0: yeah and we're in this period of collective (laughs) um what we call it cognitive dissonance right a collective (laughs) experience of that right (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) I mean, <laughs> think of
1: it
0: like that. Put it mildly. <laughs> put it mildly. So mm-hmm. the, the, I really feel, you know, the um, that the the pressure of the challenges we have, not just individually but collectively, bring they they put a pressure on these uh, systems that have the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that. You know they have all the answers because some of our, you know we don't we don't have uh, necessarily solutions to all of our problems, um, but we have ways to navigate them that um, create an openness and a receptiveness to new ideas versus a way to shut down and um, try to recreate. You know we're trying to fix the problem with the same way that created it. We really need to open ourselves to the neutrino stream that's always penetrating this planet with new packets of intelligence, and how do we receive it and organize it in a way and put it in place that um, opens pathways for new ideas and the emergence of um, solutions that may be outside of our um, current cognitive awareness.
1: Mm interesting it's all about language it's all about how they um caused them termed it neuro-linguistic reprogramming
0: oh yes
1: these these stuff are not spoken about as much these days as they were back in the 2000s in when it was nearly when it was created or brought forward but it's the same thing we have to be constantly reframing and using words so that that allowing the energy to flow as you're describing there is so important how can I find a way to allow this situation to unfold how do I allow this energy to flow through me this is I think um probably one of the most important things I mean gratitude sets up a good scenario but allowing the energy to flow is a thing I think probably nine out of 10 people do not allow. They make a natural barrier because we've been trained to put a barrier up and the barrier up is doubt, worry, concern. How am I going to figure it out? Um, Understanding step one, two, three, four, five and having a backup plan just in case. <laughs> it's like, there, there's, um, that works. That works. I'm not saying it don't work. but well, we're talking about Trying to create something, and we're confused or we're unsure, and we have all this doubt. To allow the energy to flow, and just this idea is enough. Just to repeat that. Is that even enough to ask yourself, "Why am I coming up with these thoughts or negative thinking? Or why, what? Or get out of my head. You don't even have to start going to that, recreating that whole line." When I start thinking about this reality, what we're talking about here, there's a backdrop with most things that I talk about, there's always a backdrop that allows me to understand what I'm talking about. But this light, this light, this this reality, this uh, matrix, this this sphere of existence is because there's two. Well, have you ever studied Gnosis? Gnosis? Or
0: G-N-O-S-I-S? G-N-O-S-S-I-S?
1: Gnosis? Yes, yeah, Gnosis.
0: Um, I don't know if I've studied it. I understand what you're talking about.
1: Okay, because then you know where I want to go to for a few moments. Let's go. You know, we, we connect the dots up as we spoke about earlier on. So answers are not found in just necessarily one uh, mystery system, one school of thought or one individual didn't have all these answers. There's been refinement through the ages where it seemed like as we go through this reality, we create in reality, all of a sudden things manifest to what we thought 50 years ago, 20 years ago, they start materializing. It's so deep. Yeah. I don't want to go back to Gnosis in a minute, but it's so deep. The possibility that, um, because I was studying an Egyptian brother who was doing stuff on geometry you done a lot of research on light and different um, signatures, and he was talking about uh, a, a possibility, which was amazing. Um, what's his name, Doctor Ibrahim
0: Doctor Kareem.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're with me on this one. Here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Biogeometry. Yeah. I've studied. Biogeometry.
1: Oh, beautiful.
0: I've studied that. It all, yeah.
1: It all, it all connects. It all connects to what I want to go into in a in moment, but he was talking about imagine. That people now hold a meditation and we meditate on a Pharaoh and the Pharaoh had an ailment or whatever, or there was a condition or they died of something. And then we meditate on that. And then let's say in 10 years time, we find a a manuscript that was hidden that found that uh, he was cured of the ailment of um, whatever condition it was. And it's like to say that um, what's the probability? Is it that we that it was created through the work that was done in the future it it helped energize the past where they found a cure in that period where they done the cure later and then wrote the text you understand what I'm talking about because
0: <laughs> well, there's no time you know you know, yeah. You know, when you're working in that realm um there's no timeline that's not linear
1: that's right that's right it's trying to get your head on this all yeah. right so I say all of that because that's all light that's all the matrix that's why you can say it's it's not linear it's past present and future is all here Mm -hmm. we're just talking about light here but there's the darkness there's the darkness as well and this is where gnosis gives a level of clarity because they refer to the demiurge and in the demiurge they talk of the demiurges are the beings and the gods of the light so who are the demiurge then you find that it's Yahweh who later in Christianity is referred to as God through Judaism as well. You find that the archangels and the angels, all the cherubim, and everybody is a part of the demiurge. In that time period, Yaldabroth, Sophia, and these other deities would have been mentioned as the ones that are occupying the light. It's just that we change names later on down the line and call them different names in this time period here so they are the light they are within the illusion so when you understand that all these deities are are in the light they gods, deities of the illusion then you have deities of gods of the darkness so in modern times it would have been more uh, um is it Freud? archetypes of the subconscious archetypes of the subconscious in psychology We are assigned to in the last hundred years or so catch up with the ancient alchemists and understanding of this light and dark, this two reality. So, all these demons, all these um, dark side stuff, these are archetypes of the inner reality. Yeah. We do have um, archetypes of, let's say, um, the same benevolence, but. It seemed like how the old world understood it and it's not no, like it's any different now. That we, inside of us, when we close our eyes, when we have more doubt, more fears, more worry manifest. But that's sometimes it's seen in our vision, but it's a feeling that's quite strong. It's the, it's the light that comes and saves us in the darkness, in our own visions, in our own personal reality, in our dream, in what we see. We wake up, all of a sudden we see light. Um, we run from the darkness. This is this is the hidden, I believe, also aspect of Qigong and Tai Chi. It's returning to this darkness. It's returning to the stillness. It's returning to the singularity where all things connect. It's acting being in this state here. Student one student said to me, This is about two years ago, it's almost like an ideology. What I'm describing it sounds like an ideology. Like, how is it even possible? To even live and what I just described it, you know, it's sounds like a um, like a dream. This just sounds, and that's to somebody who's living a nine to five. They're concentrating on their day to day work activity, and they haven't given time to their inner world, to their inner reality. They've just given time to the light, hmm. given time all their time from birth to their moment. We're having this conversation. We remember listening. They're probably given their time to the light and afraid of the dark mm-hmm. because we've been told from childhood to be afraid of the dark mm-hmm. and this is a part of the matrix as well to separate us from our true inner being even though in the dark we radiate as light i know we're talking about the dark here but we in the light dark is the light imagine that in the darkness we but in order to radiate lightness. this Let's say conscious, you're creating that light body. Unconscious, um, sorry, I'm talking about ascension here. We go through the ascension process, and um, we are not practicing certain practices through our life. There's a term that the Chinese call it as well, di. di, I think they pronounced it. Yeah, where it's um the light that emanates from a being through doing good works. You don't have to do no qigong. Gong. You don't have to do no Tai Chi. You have to, to the best of your ability, live true to your heart, true to yourself. not harm nobody, do good. Try help man, woman and child for your life and elder and your degrowth. That's why you got people who don't even practice these things that have strong internal power. They got love from them, which is a power which can only be cultivated through a practice. This um this there within us. There's so many layers that one has to co- you know. When we talk about chemicals being released, mm-hmm. um whether you describe like I'm thinking the, the the vagus nerve, I'm thinking about the enteric system, I'm thinking about so many systems. I'm thinking about the pineal gland releasing stuff every two months, sorry, um once, once a month for two days, I'm thinking all these different systems making this body of light It's not just the cerebral spinal fluid pumping around and distributing the electrons throughout the whole of the system, like this multifaceted system drawing up energy through the feet through the arms and through the kidney and through the back it's just it's just amazing but you know more you practice qigong the more you describe stuff and you're trying to um get your students to see something build up you do a meditation and you ask them did you see that and they said ah I was there for a few moments then I got distracted or I end up creating this it's like, oh, well, if you create that, that's good. As long as you saw something. If if you was thinking about something, you didn't create nothing, then it's the formation of light in your third eye that you can hold on to through focus. Mm-hmm. Once we can do this and we start to radiate now, going back to the light in the darkness, once we can start to all that stuff working and then irradiating, that's just half the journey. Mm-hmm because when we ascend we require a form to enter into to travel yeah this is part of the story that the old ones are talking about this is Sahu as you asked me earlier on
0: well I think that's really yeah Sahu I love I love that I mean I recognize that it's one of the reasons i was, um curious about your school and your work and your name but what you're bringing up for me is where, where you were talking about the darkness is um and the importance of attention and focus is like the darkness is basically pointing the way because we have um weapons of mass distraction <laughs> on our planet, right? And so the hardest thing for people to do right now is to stay focused because of all of the technology then you know there's um, a lot of uh, r&d that goes into developing apps and badges and alarms and things that constantly hit the centers of the brain that create that dopamine and then we get addicted to it and we can't we can't really i mean we there's an addiction that um is driving us we're no longer choosing and so i feel like the problem is pointing at the solution the solution is to train our focus and that's what's needed more than anything and the society and the culture is showing us um you know the opposite you know and as we get pulled away from the ability to focus, we have more and more insurmountable problems and health challenges and so, uh, social issues. And so the opposite direction must be the solution. So the darkness of that that side of our creative um, ability to create technology driven by uh, greed and money is to sabotage people's attention to to pull energy, right? Because mm-hmm. basically, that's what they're doing is harvesting energy, and we have to call our energy back home and into our core, into our center. And we do that through attention, awareness, and focus. So there isn't anything more, I don't think, important right now than being able to focus our attention. That is our superpower
1: being taken away that's 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 a beautiful statement there it's a superpower it shouldn't be no well yeah maybe that's the that's this is the um defining factor between humans and other life forms on the planet the fact that we can focus our attention in such a way which allows us to create stuff figuring that stuff out
0: yeah and Mm -hmm. connecting it to the heart because we don't want to just make it about the mind it's the heart mind it's all the one like connecting yes. you know what we're t- putting our attention on with the the chemistry of emotion that is related to that in that coherence and lining things up right along the central channel and with the jing energy of the physical vitality to move in the direction of these this
1: vision yes. it's interesting you know because i was um watching an uh, um, interview the other day and the brother mentioned something about quantum jumping.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You had a quantum jumping. Mm-hmm. So i never heard of it until the other day. Imagine this, we're just slow on something. So I must have looked into this thinking, let me just find out, understand what this quantum jumping is about. So then I, um, I found one video on YouTube describing it. And there was a gentleman who had done a bit of research into it, and he mentioned other researchers, people who have written books on quantum jumping. And he was talking about his experience of quantum jumping, how to quantum jump, and he was talking about the use of qigong. It seemed like he had practiced um, yoga, Pilates, uh, many look like other internal forms and arts, but what looked like work, or well, let's say for him we found that qigong was really useful so when i checked that i said to myself that's a so fascinating because we've been speaking something similar to this already yeah <clears throat> But when you were saying i was freaking wow you go into a meditative state um practice a bit of qigong and then your mind goes calm and clear whatever you desire or want to manifest or want to bring into this reality Connecting your heart and mind with intention. It's like you just connect to that pathway, or to that line, or to that, to that um, wormhole timeline. What you want to call that frequency? Mm-hmm. Through that practice, there. And I was thinking, wow, they call this quantum jumping, yeah? And we be practicing <laughs> this thing. <laughs> like this, oh, I, I just thought that was uh, normal. I didn't even, I didn't even realize it was, it was named quantum but it's just fascinating to hear research yeah. done and people actually doing it trying to figure out that even yeah. though for a mystic for a person who's living a life mystically that's just normal yeah you constantly are manifesting your reality that's funny observing. yeah
0: yeah, the I remember the man years ago who came up with the term, um, Burt Goldman is his name. He studied the Silva method. Silva method was created by
1: me. I who they were talking about, I think you mentioned.
0: Yeah, and now Gene Houston is teaching it and other people are teaching it. Um, but it's like what we were talking about before where everything's existing simultaneously. So there's there's really no past and future. Although when we talk about past and future, I see them as, you know, bandwidths of frequency, like the future is in the subtle fields, you know, right, like right here, out here, Um, you know, like people that are tuned in intuitively to the subtle fields are um, people that can, um, you know, like be ahead of the curve 20 years or so you're already teaching Qigong. And now, you know, people are starting to become aware of, it, and science is pouring millions of dollars into researching it because it's showing, you know to have validity. And so that that can be a way of seeing um, time is in the subtle frequencies, right? And um, so we can jump timelines just by stretching, letting you know, the expansion of uh, consciousness and the universe stretch out we exist out here we don't just exist in the body but our attention and awareness can go to the edges of our field and be picking up information and pulling it in and that subtle energy in an energetic form now 20 years from now will be a solid um science of you know whatever that field is that we're anchoring so that um Quantum jumping is really about just being able to traverse the different frequencies, as you mentioned, like you mentioned, moving into alpha and then beta and then delta, right? And To be able to move into the deeper layers of thinking uh, beyond um, just the surface is to use the body as a portal into this um, yin energy of this dark, empty space where things are wanting to be known. Like Carl Sagan said, somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known. And it's in the yin space that it is waiting as a dormant potential. And when we can be a conduit or a receptive uh, instrument for it or a doorway, we can uh, bring it into the um the the left side of the brain if you will or the linear side of our existence and create a timeline and lay let it unroll in um a way that it becomes something physical in the world that can solve a problem or um be a way of connecting like a new platform even if it isn't a physical thing it can be a a digital platform that connects people or um anyway that was a little bit of a rant but <laughs> <laughs> I think it ties in it all ties in and uh, I do want to honor your time we're at exactly 11 22 a.m my time so we're at 7 22 wow. your time I know you have a class to teach and I uh, just want to know what else you'd like us to know about you and how to stay in touch with you and your offers and um, any last words you have to
1: share. We went through a lot today. We are um, talking mainly of the the um, vitality, the energetic works and the um, the spirituality. And yeah, that's moving Tai Chi, but that feels like Qigong. Gong. The Tai Chi element, we never really touch. But I feel with Tai Chi when practicing is similar. um how we say that? Tai Chi can be um Qigong, but Qigong can't be Tai Chi. So with the Tai Chi, there is the martial aspect as well that I think is really important to appreciate. It needs to be refined. so if we are practicing because within my school I was taught with the hand form, um, certain self-defense techniques that go along with it, some of the self-defense techniques don't look like what the hand form was just demonstrating, you know, but when students ask me that question, I'm like, you just have to work with that. It's like, it's just, I ain't got no answer for that one there. But you know, when you break it down directly from, let's say from that, the form itself, the the grappling elements, the, um, the pushing hand elements, because the self-defense would be close self-defense techniques, where you know stage by stage, someone punches you, do a deflection, you know that kind of level building. But when it comes to the pushing hands, the grappling, I think Tai Chi. Tai Chi has so much potential that's not being fulfilled. It's um, the the supreme ultimate art or supreme ultimate fists, which really is like saying pushing hands means pushing body. So fists is controlling of your force or your um, ability to move in a, in a combat manner, not just using hand to hit somebody or to strike. Mm-hmm. The mastery of your body, what we've been speaking about, but using that mastery in able to manipulate the world around you and to um, manipulate somebody who's um let's say at touch or through grappling I think that part of Tai Chi is um is back on the rise It lost a little it was wavering for a long time it's like eighteen hundreds caused a little bit of a problem there but um it's like we're back on on the rise again and that's all I have to say about our martial element of our um, of our Tai Chi practice that it needs to be pressure tested We need to um, go through the forms when we're grappling and not be on a tradition, honor what we was passed on and also test it. Mm -hmm. Keep the memory of what it was and then show evolution of the same form. So there are techniques that we do, which is um, like single whip, let's say. Single whip is just a deflection and a hit to the head or to the face or to the temple. But then um, that can be done. That's such a simple technique done all the time in boxing. So pressure testing that one is such an easy thing to do. But there are some other techniques which are not, um, we are compliant in the motion, respecting teacher or so forth. So then the art's lost a little bit. Yeah. Those Tai Chi practitioners, if we want to respect the art in the sense of it being the supreme ultimate, so we have um, judo, jiu-jitsu, um Muay Thai sweeps we have um from all grappling arts that use a particular grappling form and they stick with that and master that all that is within Tai Chi within even the hand form itself all the hand movements and the gestures are all expressing these these grips and these holds not pressure tested because we're in a health revolution martial arts so should I say Tai Chi because it seemed like true chaos is the way it is we have to be a bit more martial a little bit more serious a little bit more um proactive so Tai Chi look like it's it's bringing that 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 energy it feels coming back more people there's, there's been so much embarrassment over the last couple years in China with um Tai Chi masters coming forward try and practice um, the form with uh, mixed martial arts fighters and being knocked out or being punched in the face hard, repetitively sometimes, because it's not adapting form. Mm. So we have to honor tradition. So yeah, because we never mentioned no, all that part. What
0: you're saying is um we need to be like evolution, which is to transcend and include. So we yes. transcend the limitation of the original form. And then we include the evolution of what we've learned and discovered yeah. since well, there's an
1: integration. Yes. yes. I think that's really important and that's probably the only thing that is in, in the back of my mind that we never really um, mentioned or spoke about even before we got started is the, is the martial part of it. We yeah. just be speaking of the spiritual, the energetic, but that I don't even know what to say, the chicken or the egg, who come first? which is the byproduct which you know well you know maybe it was um a I result love, war. Love,
0: yeah well i just love this whole idea of pressure testing everything anymore right yeah that, that we yeah. want to um like what you said when we're out um it's easy when we're on the mountain meditating and being spiritual but when we're in the inner city and um you know there's um a lot of um, tension you know we're being pressure tested to find our center in every moment yeah Yeah. and finding our center in every moment goes back to being able to control our attention and focus yeah and so this seems to be kind of the the completion yeah it's like we're coming back full circle to this point that has been made over and over in our exchange that um there is always something leading us back to our center and yeah. constantly being pressure tested yeah <laughs> by all the distractions and the dark, the darkness that you talk about and the forces of nature, the resistors. You know, like a light bulb originally. Now the light bulbs are different, but the original light bulb had a resistor in it, right? You remember that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember.
0: Without that resistor, the thing would blow up, right? It wouldn't be able to maintain the light. So it's like that with the universe expanding through us We have to have resistors built in or we would implode like we wouldn't be able to sustain that pressure of the universe expanding through us if we didn't have these governors or attenuators built in. Mm -hmm. And some of them are physical, some are mental, some are emotional. And Mm -hmm. when we recognize them for what they are, when they show up, uh, we can appreciate them. And just like we have tendons and, you know, sinew and um, ligaments that hold our body together, we don't want to push so far past the limitation that we lose the ability for our joints to stay held together. But we do want to push them to the edge so we don't lose our flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. We want to maintain that fine line of um, transcending and including constantly. That's the pressure mm. testing that I'm familiar with. Yes.
1: That's the only way to change. That's, that's, that's can we say, controlled change mm. as opposed to change taking place through um, chaos or through n- no control. And this is another thing when you enter into this reality that you, you end up, um, your pathway lays out in front of you quite clearly as you go deeper into it yeah you see we feel like we're about to open up into another reality we're gonna oh you feel like i've got to go deeper but um we don't that's within our sphere of reality within our practice of um tai chi and qigong they are beautiful a beautiful um like um mother uh, mother and son companionship literally but i will actually say the other way around if i go to ancient kemet for the last point let's say this let's say it this way then you know in ancient kemet you will see the huge statues and you will see behind the pharaoh standing you will see the woman or a a person say it was a woman the wife in most cases behind the leg behind the knee and the support the consort we're right there and you know, in when the first Europeans were doing archaeology, they misunderstood that. They looked at it as a, as a disrespect, mm. as a disrespectful thing. That the woman is small next to their knee. Mm. They say that that's how they thought of them, as if they were little. But um, no, that wasn't the concept. The idea is, you know, like in the playground, when we you were younger, and they saw come up behind you and they'll push their knee in the back of your knee and you'll collapse to the floor without that support of your knee you're going you're going to the ground and it was a representation of this energy there of the support structure to the pharaoh and it's like tai chi is like this let's say tai chi is a pharaoh and the, the qigong is a support structure and this is holding up the, the holding up the tai chi yeah come like this kind of connection they have to work together oh,
0: beautiful thank you for that image that's wonderful i agree yeah well i really appreciate your time i was thinking we would do a little practice but um we'll have to save it for another time and uh love to do this again sometime
1: definitely well thank you cindy for having me on your your show
0: links to your youtube channel in the description of the video and to your website um, and then you have some wonderful talks on your channel and classes and I'm just having a yes. real fun time exploring all that you've offered for free and generously so thank you for that
1: yes we are we are doing every other week a talk on a different part of the anatomy and understanding the alchemical process in the whole alchemical story so some we are going through the process or then we may shift around a little bit but it will be throughout the year so this is like for the whole year we'll just be targeting different components doing a bit of research and doing a bit of presenting and presenting the research myself and a physiotherapist so that is that i'm well excited we've been talking about doing something like this for a little while of actually presenting and i don't really see the alchemy clear clear with anatomy so, this is what I'm trying to um, support the community with understanding the alchemical process, but it's tangible. Yeah. That's, tangible. That's yeah. what we're trying to do.
0: Well, yeah. I'm trying it. I appreciate, appreciate your skillful means and uh, the dedication that you put into everything and um, the playful, um, generous way that you share it. And I thank all of you for tuning in and listening. Thanks for joining us for this conversation. Until next time. Bye for now.